Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme menage of plot violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Three-Way Dance and ECW Podcast Retrospective Series. I am JT, and joining me as always, Matt and Jenny. How are you guys doing? Jen W.O. is here to take over. Mm-hmm. Beware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make us uh, who's who? I'm assuming I'm the meanie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have the luscious locks. So I am Stevie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Grudy will be our <laughs> Rob Feinstein. <laughs> what a team. Boy. Bunch of winners. Already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure are. Uh, we are in episode 70, if you can believe that, of this mm-hmm. podcast. And we are crawling toward our first pay-per-view. Barely Legal 1997 will be coming later this summer. But here tonight, we are tackling uh, another big show for ECW. It's Crossing the Line Again, 1997. So this should be a fun one. We had the, uh, did we cover the original Crossing the Line? It sounds familiar. I, I don't know if we actually watched the show, though, Jenny. I feel like maybe we um, just, like, talked about it. On the I feel like we just TV. talked about it, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Crossing the Line Again, so. Oh, no, not <laughs> again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Going right over it. Uh, and we have a lot going on. For sure in the world of extreme. So we're going to dive right in to this special. We open with footage of Paul E. Dangerously in the ring with half of the ECW roster while the other half stands up in the nest. And he announces the major event occurring Sunday, April 13th. In the main event, we'll see Taz take on Sabu. He says everyone has read the story, saw the rumors, and that show will not only be seen in the ECW arena, but will be live on pay-per-view. And they can show the whole fucking world what they got. Despite lawsuits and cancellations, all of the fan outpouring to the cable companies, the pay-per-view will happen. And, of course, the crowd is molten hot for this. Uh, Just an awesome moment. We get a graphic package given the pay-per-view date again. It'll be ECW in association with Request TV. They'll be presenting the show. We get a full hype video for Taz and Sabu. And then Joey reveals the name of the pay-per-view, and that is Barely Legal. Barely Legal 1997. So... 
Matt, what'd you think of the way they went about this uh, in front of the home arena fans? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was no other way to announce this. You kind of had to do it in front of the fans and have the fans go crazy because it's, I mean, obviously it's a it's a massive moment. So, uh, yeah, it was a great moment. Uh, the video package afterwards with Taz and Sabu was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, uh, big moment. And I like that they're giving the show enough time. Like, it's it's not till April, so you got a good two and a half months or so. Mm-hmm. to do one final push to it and then there you go so i i like that they're not doing it like in three weeks you know so right. i think that that makes sense too so yeah just an awesome moment jenny agreed um I, paul lee was on it he was impassioned and the crowd was right there with him um just like i was it was it was awesome and um, I don't know. I, I did think that. I did think, oh, shit, that's like two and a half months of more tests. <laughs> yes. Which, I mean. I, I mean, are you good with them saving it for that show? Like, I mean, they have to, right? It's like been the best yeah. bill. They really don't mm-hmm. have something out. Like, they have other stuff. I mean, obviously, Raven's got a bunch of challengers they're setting up and they're building toward things. But, uh, like, they've come this long with Taz Sabu. Yep. Like, it has to just. Why would you do it before then at this point? You have to mm-hmm. do it there. It mm-hmm. makes sense. It just feels like there's going to be a lot of the same stuff for a little bit. But they are very, very good at swerving us, adding layers to things. So there's no telling what it, this whole story will look like in two months. Um, the the build has been so slow and so steady for so long. It felt like we had reached a peak. Like, I guess just getting a match <laughs> has been the first climax of this whole thing well and, and we're gonna do i don't know it, it is but also um you know I, they weren't really supposed to have waited this long either so right yeah the mm-hmm. pay-per-view is supposed to air earlier in the year but in late 96 and we haven't actually talked about this yet so we can do it now uh in late 1996 complications arose so wade keller a pro wrestling journalist had an interview with request tv who was one of the pay-per-view carriers and during an interview mentioned the mass transit incident that occurred in November. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, another company, Premier, expressed concern over the amount of violence on ECW and said the programming would not be suitable for children. And through uh, hundreds and hundreds of emails from fans, Premier decided to carry the event. However, the emails that were sent to Viewer's Choice and Cablevision were unsuccessful and they were unhappy with the visual imagery on ECW TV, including Tyler Fullington being involved in Raven and Sandman's feud. <laughs> uh, so they declined to carry it. After further discussions with ECW owner Paulie Dangerously, ECW GM Steve Carell request TV reverse their earlier decision and change their mind to carry the event under certain conditions. Uh, one would be an advanced script of the show, so they understood exactly what they were getting. And the second would be to push it to 9 o'clock p.m. instead of 7 o'clock p.m. And then thirdly would be no excessive blood. Mm. So, you know, we'll save that from when we get to one uh, to barely legal. But that is the uh, how they got here. Uh, Jenny, have you ever heard of the mass transit incident? I feel like in passing, but I don't quite remember. Maybe. Okay. Well, uh, Axel Ron was scheduled to work a tag team match with Devon Dully against the Gangsters. Uh, but was not able to make it due to a family emergency. And this happened in Revere, Massachusetts, at the mm-hmm. Wonderland Ballroom. Uh, we actually <laughs> saw clips of the show already on this podcast earlier. Uh, it was the one in that 
friggin' dog park or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there, so. <laughs> Uh, so he couldn't make it. Axel couldn't make it. So the show was scheduled to feature dwarf wrestlers, Tiny the Terrible and Half Nelson, who were actually oh, pretty boy. popular in this area. They were uh, all the little local indies. Uh, they were supposed to face 17-year-old Eric Coolis, who had performed as wrestler Mass Transit. It was a Ralph Cramden-esque bus driver. <laughs> Coolis convinced Paul Heyman to let him fill in for Rotten. He lied and said he was 21. He said he had wrestled for Killer Kowalski, who ran, of course, the school in the area, which we've talked about as well. Uh, Heyman took him at his word that he was 21 and said, oh. okay, fine. So before the match, Coolis asked New Jack to blade him because he had never done it himself. And New Jack said, okay, I'll do it. And then, of course, this is a pretty standard wrestler thing. If someone's not comfortable blading themselves, they'll trust someone else to do it. Uh, during the match, Devon and New Jack brawl outside the ring. Mustafa and Transit fought inside. It was basically a squash. Dudley got taken out outside and told not to return, and the gangsters would beat the shit out of Coolis inside. Uh, New Jack just beat the shit out of all different weapons. At the end, New Jack bladed Coolest with a scalpel, as they had agreed, but he cut too deeply and Ooh. severed two arteries in Coolest's <gasps> forehead. He screamed in pain and passed out as the blood poured all from his head. So the event was a house show, wasn't televised, but it was caught on fan cam. And it was used as evidence in legal proceedings. Uh, as the video quietly showed New Jack asking, Coolest, are you okay? Uh, the gangsters proceeded to work Coolest over here more with various elbow drops and objects. Prompted <laughs> Coolest's father scream, ring the bell, he's 17. The oh, medics shit. rushed to the oh, ring. Shit. New Jack grabbed the house mic and tried to get heat. Said, I don't care if he dies. He's white and I don't like white people. <laughs> I don't like people from Boston. I'm the wrong N-word to fuck with. Okay. Uh, according to an interview he did later, New Jack said he told Coolest it was not a good idea to do the blade. So... Uh, multiple things happened here. So this led to the, uh, like we said, original cancellation of the pay-per-view uh, on Christmas Eve. They decided to cancel it. Heyman said he begged and pleaded with requests, and they finally changed it and put it back on. So it still doesn't say the original date, but I feel like, was it supposed to be February, Matt? Do you remember? Yeah, it was, I want to say January or February it was supposed right. to be. But like maybe maybe a month or two earlier, something like that. Yeah. So that would make sense, Jane, like you're saying the Taz and Sabu stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like why that? Now it's another two months, but I think mm-hmm. it was originally supposed to happen like around this time, probably. Um, Coolis and his family did an interview with Inside Edition with footage of the segment. They kind of presented Coolis as like innocent and unprepared, you know, said that Heyman didn't ask for proof of ID. And this story happened right before they launched a lawsuit, which three years after the incident, they actually tried New Jack on charges of assault and battery with a dangerous uh-huh. weapon. He was sued by the Coolis family. After hearing Coolis asked to be cut, a jury acquitted New Jack and said he was not liable in civil court. Uh, wrestlers testified that Coolis was arrogant and demanding backstage. And when they said he would have to bleed as part of the match, Coolis had asked New Jack to blade him. The court also heard his father say he's only 17 and take it easy on him was just a kid when they isolated from Devon. Uh, the book Rise and Fall of ECW also states the medic crew carried Coolis out. He was escorted by Tommy Dreamer, held his hand to comfort him. Passing by the audience, Coolis gave the finger to play the bad guy. Authorities later determined Coolis had lied to Heyman, claimed to be 21 but was 17, lied about being trained by Killer Kowalski, even though his father vouched for him, and uh, basically said his uh, dubious credentials were endorsed by Tiny the Terrible, one of the midgets. Uh, Coolis actually passed away at age 22 on May 12, 2002, from complications of gastric bypass surgery. Oh, Lord. And this incident was featured on Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, in 2020 so anyway hmm yeah I, 
I think somebody had told me that on one of the calls, and I forgotten it that it was called that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that's horrific. Yep, and right on his uh, yeah, right before his uh, own death in 2021, New Jack still maintained his innocence. I guess that was one of his last tweets was about mass transit. Oh boy! Actually, his last tweet it says his final tweet was about it, and said he reiterated coolest request of the bleeding. So, wow. yeah, uh, so a lot going on there. Master ended it's obviously a pretty one of the most famous ECW mm-hmm. stories, really, um, mm-hmm. in moments. There is video out there of it. The mm-hmm. fan cam is out there uh, Ooh, okay. of, of it all. So that's why Bailey Eagle is now in April. That's why Tassabu will be dragged out for another two months. Okay. And uh, that's why it didn't happen. Like we said, I, again, I, we can confirm. I'm pretty sure it's like February. Um, mm-hmm. It's supposed to be so. Yeah, I think it got delayed by a couple months by the time they got got it back on the docket for the cable companies. Well, one of the things I love about wrestling is that when something happens, somebody gets hurt, somebody fucks up, whatever, mm-hmm. they have to change the plan. Sometimes you get great shit out of that. So yeah. I have all faith in ECW to maybe I don't know, maybe find some gems, some some hidden lane, some another layer, you know, to the story. So. Hopefully. I'm trying to go through real quick and find out. I don't know why February's in my mind. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see anything popping out as to when it was supposed to be. I don't know. I know I know Heyman talks a lot about it on the ECW DVD mm-hmm. set that Dodie did. Um, so. Uh, all right. Well, let's dive into this show. We get our opening match, which features Lance Storm, a little under the radar debut, taking mm-hmm. on another recent arrival, our friend Balls Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm have and Balls both spent time in Smoky Mountain. Of course, Storm teams with Chris Jericho there as the thrill seekers, I believe. And Balls mm-hmm. Mahoney, we talked about, was there as well. Boo Bradley, and then also had spent time in WF as Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm has a long blonde ponytail off his crew cut. It's very interesting. It ball, balls yanks on it out of the lockup <laughs> to start us up. It is a choice. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Storm works the arm, but Balls keeps countering. Styles talks up Storm's worldwide experience. Balls takes over in the eye rake and punches. Storm floats over a charge, but Balls has a nice takedown. Storm is up. We get a fun back and forth, ending in a Storm leg lariat. Balls levels Storm with a short arm clothesline, but Storm ducks a charge, and Balls flies over the top, clutching his knee as he falls. Storm meets him with a slingshot somersault sent on, and then a top rope shoulder block back inside for two. Storm is super fluid here, goes up top, but Balls slugs him back down. Balls gets to work choking away and hitting a nice Uranagi and a Vader bomb for a near fall, showing off some nice offense. He slugs away, but Storm gets a springboard back elbow and a big leaping shoulder block for two, followed by a cartwheel clothesline and a missile dropkick for a near fall. Balls goes low and then stuffs Storm with a pile driver, heads to the middle rope for an elbow, comes up empty, Storm goes up top, and it's a spin wheel kick to pick up the win. And I thought it was a pretty fun opener. I thought both guys looked really good. Storm was crisp and fluid. Ball showed good power offense and moved at a nice pace. The chemistry was on point. And it looks like maybe CW has two new finds to mix up the refresh of the mid card here. We could use some new blood. And both of these guys could be good additions to the card. Uh, so I thought this was a nice opener. Jenny, I went two and three quarters. The fuck is Balls wearing? <laughs> it's like... Would you prefer a wig and fake tits? I, I definitely would. But I will say that as the match went on, <laughs> I did become pretty attracted to balls. Yeah. <laughs> because once I started going to look at him, I'm like, he moves like he moves a lot better than you would think. 
Listen, he would. Um, a, a comment like that is what led Scott Criscolo to saying he loves Big Dick in the open of every <laughs> PTV mm-hmm, for like mm-hmm, the last six mm-hmm. years. So I've become attracted to balls. You may want to <laughs> recant that soon. And now you've just said it. Well, <laughs> mm. uh, so anyway, I like you, I thought it was really fun. And uh, yeah, we need somebody in this in this space where they are uh, on the card and they can both really go. Like you said, Lance really fluid. Um, seems pretty versatile, although that hair is awful. Um, <laughs> you gotta do something about that, but um, a good mix of, of different style, not styles, really just sizes. Um, Lance was kind of smaller and flew around a lot more, but I enjoyed their chemistry. I enjoyed the crowd enjoying them because you can always kind of get that feel from whether what the crowd thinks of these guys, <laughs> like, you know, how into it they are. And I thought that they hung with them pretty well. So I did two and three quarter stars as well, Matt. Yeah, really, really fun opener here. Uh, I went two and a half on it. Uh, always great to see uh, Lance Storm. We'll see in the future. He flies around the ring like in every match. So it's pretty cool to see that he was doing it this early on in his ECW run. So that was uh, neat to see. Uh, I- I'm fairly certain that uh, if ECW was a person, it would be Balls Mahoney. He he, he <laughs> he's he's ECW in a nutshell. And I like the, maybe that's the, where the attraction came from. <laughs> the ripped jeans, the uh, the the band T-shirt. Yeah, he's he is ECW. But uh, yeah, uh, super fun opener here. Uh, I I think Lance is gonna uh, he's gonna be around for a while, and I th- hopefully he stays this good. Uh, the, his finisher was great. The spin kick off the top rope mm-hmm. was great. So uh, yeah, super fun way to open the show. Two and a half. All right, let's roll on as Joey's in the nest. He takes a little shot at Ricky Morton, who uh, tried to bring his girlfriend uh, <laughs> to get a pop from the crowd, and they shit on him apparently. <laughs> And that well, doesn't just, I mean, you yeah. saw her, right? Mm, yeah, this is true. Uh, well, it does bring us to this match. It is Stevie Richards of the Blue World Order taking on the uh, longtime veteran star, Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. The BWO come through the crowd to a huge pop. They get a lackey, 7-Eleven, in tow as well. It's uh, toting a camera with them. Just a great gimmick. The presence has completely caught fire. We do see Morton's girl. She's got assless chaps on, which is quite the sight to see. Uh, the crowd still boos him in his rebel flag tights. We start fast with Stevie ducking a clothesline. He slugs Morton to the mat. We go to a lockup and a low blow for Morton to break it up. Stevie comes right back, and after a bunch of counters, it's a flying forearm for two. The blue guy lands a shot from the floor. Stevie gets two on a sidewalk slam. Stevie works the arms, goes through some various versions of an armbar. Ricky goes to the eyes to break and goes low. Stevie battles back. We get a slugfest out of the corner. We get more punches from Stevie. And then he thrusts his dick in Morton's face for some reason. <laughs> Morton gets an atomic drop but ducks his head. Stevie crunches him with a power arm for two. He crawls up, tunes the band, and finishes with a great-looking Stevie kick. Stevie gives Morton's girl an NWO shirt. She takes it but hides it from Ricky after giving the fist in the air. Fine stuff here. Uh, Morton looks slow, but this is all about getting Stevie over, building his cred beyond the gimmick. He wins clean, continues to roll Matt. Two stars. Yeah, uh, two and a half for me. Uh, I I like Ricky Morton as a guy uh, putting talent over. I mean, obviously he's not as fast or speedy as he was in the mid '80s, but he's a name that you that can put guys over, like a Stevie Richards, guys like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I like it for that. Uh, Ricky Morton randomly having his girlfriend with wife <laughs> with him. Uh, Vicky Morton, I'll call her. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <Sorry>. but, <laughs> 
Yeah, like just out of nowhere, bringing this random girl from Philadelphia in. I'm assuming that's who this was. I can't imagine that was really his shoot girlfriend, but uh, yeah, that, that was. Uh, I don't know. It could be really. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I buy it. I don't know. She had a Philly look to her. I don't know if that's a thing, but. Uh, what fall river rating would you be? Uh, that's a great question. She's honestly, she's probably a fall river tenant. <laughs> but, but that, oh, that's a story right. for, that's, for that's on record as well so <laughs> well that doesn't mean i like it i'm just i'm, I'm being unbiased here is what i'm doing <laughs> it's it's still weird to see ricky morton in ecw to me yes. and, and it's even weirder to see him as a heel <laughs> like I, I, I know they did it in wcw in 1991 but it was fucking awful so it's just it's weird to kind of uh, bring it back again here, but yeah, the match was perfectly fine. The whole goal of the match was to put Stevie Richards and the BWO over. So, uh, mission accomplished. Two and a half stars for me. <laughs> I did two and a half as well. I mean, at least half a star for the assless chaps on Vicky Morton. Um, I don't know. She needed a little bit more ass for those assless chaps, but um, yeah. Um, I like the Stevie face fuck spot in the corner. Um, crowd loved that too. I love all the blue shirts in the crowd. Yes. I always know those now. They're taking over. They are. It's it's a whole a whole deal. Uh, I like those more than uh, Morton's tights for sure, because those are an eyesore. Um, I love the uh, Jackknife power bomb Stevie got on. He's just fun to watch. Um, and Morton. Like you said, it's weird. It's still weird. <laughs> but he doesn't like super fit, but he's good at what he's meant for, which y'all said is putting him over. So he works for that, I suppose, and brings weirdos to the to the ring. So two and a half stars. All right. And right back to the ring for another odd pairing is Dr. Death. Steve Williams takes on Axel Rotten. Uh, Dr. Death's still hanging around. Uh, I, I did not expect him still to be here. I figured they'd be gone after they fought the Eliminators. Axel's back to blonde. He's uh, out of the dreads as well. I feel like he changes his hair constantly. It's like every show. <laughs> we get a nice pop for Doc. He disrobes and loads up. Joey goes over his credentials. Axel starts hot. He shoots Doc hard into the corner and stomps away angrily, but Doc kicks and punches back into it. Axel gets a clothesline for two as he isn't intimidated at all here. Joey says Doc hasn't pin, been pinned in the U.S. in over a decade. Doc hits a football tackle, follows an Oklahoma stampede for two, follows the backdrop driver, and picks up the easy win. I guess nothing here. Just felt like Doc is, I guess, sticking around to get a squash win like that. Uh, you don't think they keep him here just to fight Axel Rotten and beat him in a squash. So it's kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, Axel looks feisty, but really not much to it, Jenny. Once it got going, I want to start a half. Yeah, I totally didn't see what they were doing here at first uh, and what what, what it, this leads to so I was like oh this is cool like Axel gets a shot with like Dr. Death like that's pretty big news <laughs> I was like pop for Axel for some reason uh, I guess I don't know I'm just I don't know I'm rooting for the guy what the fuck so anyway uh, I was wrong about that and uh, I said poor Axel but I gave him a star and a half anyway <laughs> Matt yeah, this this was kind of weird to me. I mean, I mean, it was technically fine. I went a star on it. Not much here. It was pretty much a squash. But this almost felt like a way to introduce, reintroduce Doctor Death. I like, guess. I I feel like we haven't seen him 
in a while, but not long enough to forget that he was there, you know, like, and to do it at the expense of Axel Rotten was kind of weird to me. Like, I I don't know, grab some schmuck from the crowd or someone, right. uh, call mass transit, see if he's still around, <laughs> have Dr. Death destroy him for a bit. It was just, it, it was, and obviously we'll get to what this leads to, but yes. at, at, th- at this point, uh, yeah, this was pretty weird stuff. It was technically a fine squash, but yeah, was, uh, I want a star on it. Yeah, so we immediately figure out the the puzzle here uh, that laid in front of us when we were unsure. Uh, so Joey's in the ring. He's with Doc and Raven, uh, who offers, and I, we kind of cut to this, so it's you know it's like kind of out of nowhere. But Raven's in the ring now with Doc. Uh, Raven offers Doc a handshake and then rips the mic away from Doc and tells him if he wants the belt, he can take it. Raven takes his jacket off and Doc attacks, and we get a brawl between them as the crowd is heating up. Doc lays in punches, but Raven takes him down, and then Todd Gordon shows up and makes this official and sets up a match for right now. Were you guys cool with how this went? Uh, I mean, I guess. It it just seemed very odd and out of nowhere, and, like, I, I don't know. It It is very slapped together uh, very quickly. Like, it, it does kind of have that feel of Raven's Challenger of the Month type of thing. But, I mean, at least they did something <laughs> to, that would lead to a title match, which I, I guess is better than nothing. So we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, it, it, this whole thing was uh, quite weird. Going from Axel to fucking Raven. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. I don't right. know. Like, I was quick, dude. Right. But, again, it definitely shows that, uh, I guess, you know, this was just all set up to have him, have him there. Right. Um. All right. So here we go with the match. Doc finds himself suddenly with the world title shot. As the bell rings, Raven is stomping away. Smacks him with a chair to the face. And Styles says it's a rare situation where the champion's the underdog. Doc is bleeding as Raven uses the chair again before setting up a table. Raven slides Doc on it and leaps off the middle rope. But Doc moves and he crashes through it. Doc gets a receipt with the chair and slings Raven to the table shard as Joey wonders if Doc will arrive at the pay-per-view as champion. Doc chops away. We head back inside. Both guys are banged up. And feeling it, Raven's a bloody mess now as they trade punches on their knees. Raven tries to whip, but Doc twists into a power slam for two, follows with a short arm clothesline. Doc counters a waist lock and hits a released German for two and gets a nice t- top rope shoulder block for two. Doc heads up again, but Raven blocks him. Slug away before Raven takes him down with a superplex. As Raven started to take over, the BWO music fires up, and they all head to the ring, along with Tyler and Lori, all in BWO shirts. Raven shoves Stevie, and Stevie slaps him back. That allows Doc to crush Raven with a clothesline, and he bounces into Stevie. Doc press slams Raven outside into the BWO. That allows Stevie to offer Doc a shot at joining the BWO. Doc rips up the shirt. He gets booed for that, so Stevie crushes him with a Stevie kick. Doc just no-sells it. He pops up, and Stevie hits another one. Doc again pops back up, and the crowd chants, Fuck you, Doc. <laughs> They're just all in on the BWO. Uh, Stevie loads up again, but Doc blocks this one, and Stevie ends up hitting it anyway. And this time, Raven slips in and DDTs Doc and gives him a very big win, a pinfall win over Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Uh, really fun stuff. Shocking to see Doc lay down here. Guessing it was a decent payday. They also elevate Stevie by having uh, you know Doc go right at him and him go at Doc. But I do think the no-selling of the kicks was a bit much. Um, you know, that was the... Stevie's kill shot has been built up so well. So I, I don't know if we needed him no selling two in a row, 
But that said, when Doc's gone, ECW can just show the third one and claim Stevie took him out, right? So that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter after that. Uh, Raven looked great, too. He's been on fire since getting clean, cleaned up and coming back. Uh, a lot more aggressive and quicker paced. Maybe his foot's feeling better, too. Uh, just a fun match. The BWO is so over. And then being so over, it just turned poor Doc heel <laughs> along the way. <laughs> this crowd was not happy with him at all. Uh, so, Matt, I went three stars. That's a pretty solid, solid title match. Yeah, a good title match here, kind of out of nowhere. I mean, we didn't know this was coming, so I actually went the extra quarter star on it. I went three and a quarter on it. Uh, Yeah, just a a great brawl, kind of a similar match, which is very ironic to the match Raven had with Gordy. I mean, I don't think it's as good as that, but it, it was a very similar type of match where they're just, you know, brawling for, you know, eight, nine minutes. And I thought Raven got the shit kicked out of him for parts of this match. And he did a, a, a great job selling it. There was a German suplex at one point. That was great. It it, it kind of got close to a squash at one point near the middle where, I mean, Raven was just taking everything from Doc and getting no offense in. But yeah, I, I think it was really, good i always like dr death's offense i think he's really good at uh, throwing people around stuff like that so yeah uh, i I enjoyed this quite a bit we continue with the bwo stuff which is great and uh i i I kind of agree with you about the no selling thing i think once would have been all right it's the twice thing that kind of uh, turned me off of it. So like just no sell it once and then hit another one and down you go, you know, you didn't need to no sell it twice. That could, uh, right. that could come, that could come back to bite them a little bit. We'll see. But yeah, I, I still really like the match overall. So three and a quarter for me, Jenny. Yeah. I did the three stars as well. Um, <sighs> Raven see, it just seemed like unusually focused. Um, and, like, he gave more effort than I feel like we've been getting. I don't know. Well, I think um, these matches mean a lot to him. Like, we, yeah. we talked about it with, um, what was the other one? I'm drawing a quick blank. Uh, Gordy, right? It's the same <laughs> thing, right? Like, I, I think he's taken pride in bringing these matches and, like, getting these chances, this chance to, and, and we saw this with Shane, right, Jenny? Like, in 95 when he was champion getting a chance to really be a true world champion defending against all guys Mm -hmm. legends and all comers and i think he's kind of taken these seriously Mm -hmm. and wants to be looked at on that level like of a guy that can get a match out of terry gordy in 1996 and and you know defeat dr death clean in a ring i think that combined with him getting cleaned up and again maybe his foot's feeling better too like is making a difference Yeah, I mean, your foot points well taken. Uh, Nothing like a healthy raven with two healthy feet. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. we've just simply not seen that before. You know, maybe up until this point, he's been strung out and, you know, had the gout or whatever. It was wrong with his foot. So um, out and gout, as they call it. So (laughs) um, he he is in full form and he fucking goes head to head with Dr. Like it's it's great. Like, it's a really good match. And, um, the table spot was really good. Um, I really like cause I mean, Dr. Death is a big dude, like, and he like muscled himself off of that table to get out of the way. Um, when Raven crashed through it, like just hung on to the railing to get off the table. I thought that was a nice touch. Um, all the blood, obviously very good. And then, and then just weaving it in, with you know his ongoing story with Stevie, kind of muddying the waters there too because they kind of fought and then they kind of t- tag teamed Doctor Doctor Death like so it kind of got a little confusing as far as 
um, their future feuding. Um, and then Joey pointing out that this was the first pen in the U.S. in over a decade on uh, Dr. Death just really drove home uh, the legit Raven in top form and doing awesome. So three stars for me. All right, we head right back to the ring for our next match, and that is Sandman taking on Devon Dudley. Devon waits in the ring as Sandman saunters out with his usual full entrance. This one has potential to get ugly. Joey says Sandman has no wife, kid, or title, just lives now for a good fight. Devon attacks during the entrance. He loads punches and cane shots to get us going. It's all Devon from there. Lots of shots around ringside until Sandman lands a kick to the gut and then gets to work as the crowd cheers him on. Sandman hangs Devon to the rail, takes him off with a leg drop as he's not going to the ring at all yet. Sandman slings Devon to the railing and breaks a table over him. We head back inside. Sandman works him over with a cane, some nasty shots, and then drops him with a DDT and finishes him with a top rope leg drop on a chair across his face. Uh, not much here at all. Just, just an energetic fight with a lot of weapon shots. They kept it nice and tight. They didn't meander, which was nice. Uh, they just chugged along through it and finished things off. So just uh, two stars for me. Again, just, just a pretty quick uh, brawl between these two, Jenny. Um, Yeah, I mean, you got it right. I mean, it's pretty – it was pretty cool. Like, like, the table suplex was pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I kind of popped for that. Mm. A lot of the hardcore um, cane shots to Devon, who takes them like a champ. Um, <laughs> Uh, as much as he, he damage that he does with the chair, he, he sure can take a, a cane shot. I I don't know. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, classic brawl for Sandman. Two and one quarter stars, Matt. Yeah, uh, not much more to add here. The match was five minutes long. It was in the ring for like a minute <laughs> of them, and it was all, you know, uh, your fairly standard uh, chair shots, weapon shots, all that stuff. I thought the leg drop from Sandman onto the chair looked great. I thought the finish was really good. So uh, I went a star and a half on it. It was it was your fairly standard ECW brawl. Star and a half. All right. Yeah, this kind of thing. Uh, are we going to do like the post-match? We're going to do it right now. Joel okay. Gertner hops in the ring as Sandman keeps caning Dudley, but Gertner announces Devon Dudley is the winner by a 4-2 score and announces <laughs> Dudley is the true hardcore icon. Sandman then canes Gertner, but Dudley attacks him from behind with cane shots and punches. Bubba Ray and Spike come out to save, but Bubba Ray shocks everyone and smashes Sandman with a chair. Spike stands in shock as Bubba and Devon smile at each other. Spike attacks his brothers, but gets the piss beaten out of him and laid out with a sick, uh, kind of a double diamond cutter type move. Mm -hmm. The Dudleys leave the Sandman, uh, the, the Sandman laid out as well. Uh, a new tie, a new team and era seems to be upon us. The gangs just show up and natural born killers blares. We get a huge weapon brawl with all four men. The crowd loves all of it. The gangsters dominate at first, but the Dudleys eventually turn the tide and they leave the gangsters, Spike and Sandman all wiped out on the mat. So, uh, kind of waiting for this to come, Maddie, uh, seeing the, the Dudleys unite. And it looks like we're finally here. I think it was good timing. I think Devon was clearly sputtering at this point, just kind of slumming it with Axel as a low card act. I think the Dudley versus Dudley feud had played out. And I think Bubba was getting a little aimless as well. So I think this is a good timing. Yeah, uh, perfect time to uh, to uh, put them together. I mean, the Bubba and Spike team, what little we saw of them was fine. But it, it, I don't think it was ever going to be something big. And then you have Devon just sitting there, and he's not a guy who 
on his own, I think is really going to do anything outside of like a feud with the Dudleys. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's ever going to face Raven for the world title, you know? So it, it makes sense to me to put Bubba Ray and Devon together. So when people talk about ECW Dudleys, uh, they, they don't talk about the stuff from, you know, this moment back. They talk about the stuff from this moment forward. And a lot of that stuff, uh, it goes places. And I am very much looking forward to uh, watching it again. But uh, a, a really fun brawl here. I like that they're uh, seemingly going to shoehorn them right in with the gangsters. I think mm-hmm. that's a perfect few to put the Dudleys in there first because the Dudleys are that type of wrestler where they, wrestlers where they use the weapons and stuff like that. So it makes sense to me. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this post-match segment uh, quite a lot, Jenny. Okay, so that that tease about the future of the Dudleys is good because I was going to say I'm fine with it. I just, they didn't really say why. Like, why? Right. <laughs> I'm like... Well, we'll um, get there. I mean, it's just happening, mm-hmm. right? Right. Give so, I mean, is it... I don't know. You, usually they can, like, cut a promo after and, like, explain mm. why, but I still kind of haven't figured out why. Um, well, don't forget, too, like, this wasn't televised, so... They'll probably, you know, they'll air it on TV and then maybe have a promo with it like they usually do. Yeah, that's yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, you know, it's it's good. Like I like this better than the previous um, version of Bubba Ray, especially. So, you know, they seem hardcore and lit and ready to rock with the gangsters and everybody else who wants to come along, fuck around and find out. So I'm about it. All right, well, we'll see where they go. And, and again, I think the timing was, um, I think the timing was on, on, it was a good time to have it happen. So, mm-hmm. All right, uh, here we go again. Big tag team matches. Rob Van Dam and Sabu take on the Eliminators. So mega tag match. This feud picks up for November to remember. A good stare down to start as the crowd revs up, knowing we could get another classic here. RVD and Saturn get us going with some trading of strikes, both showing off their kick arsenal. Saturn lands a great drop kick for two, with Sabu making the save. Joey talks about how Sabu and RVD have turned from bitter enemies into such a good team. Cronus wants in, so Saturn obliges, and he flips around and brags on it. Joey says Cronus has lost 35 pounds. RVD grabs the arm and gets to work with kicks and tags Sabu. They hit stereo splashes, and then Sabu gets in his offense with a springboard dropkick. Cronus comes back with a leg lariat, a pump handle throw, as we continue to be well-matched. RVD tags in, but eats a pair of leg lariats from the champs, who are really feeling it now. Saturn gets two with a wicked clothesline, but RVD comes back with a double underhook driver and tags Sabu. Sabu grabs a camel clutch, and RVD baseball slides into his face and takes a bow. RVD twists Saturn into a surfboard, and Sabu nails him off the top for two. Cronus lends a hand and allows Saturn back to take back over as he levels RVD with a leg lariat. Sabu tags in and Saturn's all over him, getting two on a falcon arrow, triggering a brawl. RVD and Cronus battle outside as Saturn snaps off a cutter in the ring. Saturn heads out and RVD chucks him into the fans and Sabu meets him with a leap off the chair. Back inside, Sabu throws a chair at Saturn's head, but Saturn mauls him with a clothesline and beats on both challengers until they swarm him. RVD gets a single leg crab and then hits a slingshot leg drop for two. Him and Saturn trade some shots until Cronus comes in and decks RVD with a kick. He heads up top and hits a big splash for two. RVD comes back and takes out Cronus and then tags Sabu. They hit a splash leg drop double team. Saturn comes back in and kicks everyone down and the champs take over. Saturn beats and grinds on Sabu. The champs both work over Sabu. They're fired up. 
Things break down again with all four going at it. Sabu tries a triple jump moonsault, but Saturn kicks off the top in a nice spot. RVD dives into Cronus outside as Sabu hits a slingshot kick. RVD sets up a table bridge and then set up a table in the ring as well. But Saturn shoves Sabu to the floor and flies into him. Saturn fetches a really gross-looking ladder. It looked all rusty. Uh, and climbs it, but Sabu drop kicks him off it into Cronus. Sabu and RVD close on the champions with the ladder and then leg drop it onto them. They hit a somersault slingshot leg drop into the champions as well, but only get two. Pretty nice rally by them. Sabu and RVD both climb the ladder, but the champs pop up and do total elimination into the ladder, and then they both collapse. The Eliminators set the ladder up on the table, and Saturn climbs it, but Sabu leaps and kicks it down as he falls. RVD smashes Saturn with a Van Daminator, but Cronus makes a save. Sabu then hits a triple jump moonsault and dumps Saturn outside and then slams Cronus and goes for a triple jump, but Saturn pushes RVD out of the way, and Sabu lands on him, and then the Eliminators finish RVD with Total Elimination. They hit Total Elimination on Sabu after the bell as well. RVD battles back, but in comes Taz, beats the shit out of RVD with a chair, hooks to Taz's mission as the Eliminators wreck Sabu and make him watch Taz destroy RVD. Taz is going to hit Sabu with a chair, but he said he just spits on him as the Eliminators hit Sabu with Total Elimination again. Taz tells Sabu to bring his tights and be ready to get choked out on April 13th. So, once again, I thought it was a really good match, Jenny. Just not as wild as insanely paced as November, remember? Uh, it was more measured. I thought it took a little bit more to get going. Also, some of the spots felt a little contrived, especially with the latter. Uh, we'll see if that finish leads to anything between RVD and Sabu. Like, is there some tension now, or do they stay strong? Uh, the post-match was awesome, as Taz Sabu heats up. I know there was good stuff following a hard-hitting battle. Uh, so I went three and a half. You know, I, I don't think it's like a all-time classic or anything like that, but it was still still really good. Holy shit, I'm so glad that you said that because <laughs> as you're reading, I'm like, okay, I don't know. He seems kind of into this match, but I feel sort of let down by it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I love Saturn. Ain't nobody loves Saturn more than me. And he tried uh, in a spot that I'll talk about, but it just seemed like everybody was a little off. Like, the punches were kind of lame. Like, even RVD's kicks seemed not impactful and usually that's what you're there for with an rvd he looked skinny where's his ass cheeks like (laughs) i don't know if it's because what he was wearing it looked weird but he he looked smaller for what i don't know that that was weird so anyway this whole match just had like a very weird vibe i felt the crowd was weird and i'm about like five-ish minutes in. i'm like okay this is weird but like maybe they're measuring out for something like they're waiting for something like uh, nobody's running in. Okay. Maybe there's a big spot. So then they do good spots. Like they're not bad, but it just seems dialed down. Like there's something off about it. They're hitting their marks. It doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look like I want it to, (laughs) like it should look for these teams. They're awesome. They're amazing. So anyway, it looks lazy. Um, but then when they get the ladder out and then they do the total elimination with the ladder, I'm like, oh, okay, that was badass. Maybe that's what we were doing. And then I don't know, the, the ending kind of got weird and fuckeried. And then I'm like, I don't know. I didn't really like that much either. So I, I just felt let down and like, I feel like the chemistry wasn't there or something. And that's very weird for an eliminators match. Uh, to to have that off feeling. Mm. Um, so anyway, I did 
it's not bad. I mean, it's still them. It's still good. Um, a table was left unbroken. What What are we doing? Like, why? <laughs> like, we did we miss it? Like, was one of the other spots messed up and it didn't get broken? I don't know, but I, I, I cannot abide having a table in the match and still be <laughs> standing there. What? A, no, this is ECW, you fucks. So I did three and one quarter stars on that. Uh, yeah, it was it was definitely disappointing. It was definitely uh, missing something that the November to Remember match had, which is an all timer, which we, we we all love that match. Uh, obviously, this one uh, doesn't hold a candle to that one. It, it was still pre- uh, very good, I should say. I went three and a half on it, but it was little things sprinkled throughout the match. Like th- th- there was a sloppiness to this match mm-hmm. at points that I don't think the November to Remember match had at all. And it was just, it was little things like that, and it all added up to uh, you know still a good match. But when you've already had a match that was I don't know I think we all went like four four and a half on that November to remember match. So when you've already had that match to come out again in a rematch and not meet those expectations, uh, I don't know. It's just it was pretty disappointing to me. I mean there were some good spots in it, and I, I do think it picked up by the end but you guys said it there's parts of this match that were just kind of weird and sloppy and yeah i i don't know i almost wonder if they need to keep these two teams away from each other for a little bit and then recon reconvene at some point but yeah so it's weird to say that a three and a half star match is disappointing but yeah three and a half I was sitting here giggling because this is what I do on these ECW days. Like, I watch everything that we talk about. So, it's like, I'm into it. Like, I I love watching it. It is wonderful. I love ECW Day. And I'm watching this match. I love these guys. They're awesome. I'm like, this is not good. I'm like, what is wrong with me? So, I just had, like, a whole breakdown <laughs> sort of <laughs> after this, like, get your life together. Like, they're awesome. You're, you're like, what is wrong with you? you know? And I'm like, I don't know. I was having a pretty good day. Like, it's not that bad. Like, <laughs> no, it, it, I blamed myself for my stupid reaction to this match. This is how entrenched I am in this process. So, you're welcome. <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a yeah. thing right there. <laughs> it was. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, I, <laughs> maybe I'm getting too close to this, you guys. No, I mean, I, I was expecting more too, and I, you wonder if, you know, you just wonder if it was just a two teams that had good chemistry but kind of emptied the tank, mm-hmm. yeah. and then had yeah, to like fair. try too much right. to make the rematch stand out and be different. Yeah. You know, it's like they kind of went all out in that first one as a dream match. And this is still really good. I mean, this yeah, is it is. It is. I feel baseline. like an asshole yeah. now. I don't no, know. it's still really the good. Expectations, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's, no, the expectations are high. When you yeah. come off a right. Right. four, four and a half, whatever we want in that match, you know, with these four guys, the kind of, in, you know, really in their primes right now, it's like you would expect them to at least match that. So it is what it is. I mean, again, still really good. This it's will, not quite this, the bango, this will forever be known as the existential crisis match. I don't know. Made Jenny collapse on there. <laughs> All right, let's go old school now. Uh, an NWA throwback as Terry Funk takes on Tommy Rich. Right. Yeah, Funk hobbles out to hugs and cheers. Joey reminds us Funk is making one last run for the ECW title. Poor Tommy Rich, the crowd chants, you fat fuck at him. He doesn't look happy. <laughs> But in fairness, his gut is pretty pronounced. It's really yeah. uh, protruding out there. 
The match starts in uh, the fans as uh, Funk lays in some punches. Rich is immediately bleeding. Funk wails away using a chair to smash his knee when they get back to ringside. In the ring, Funk sits in a chair and slaps the bloody Rich around. Funk dumps the chair and goes back to punches. Rich is just a mess. He's stumbling around, pouring blood. Rich tosses some punches back and knocks Funk outside. Rich follows out and slings Funk into the railing and into the crowd. Rich beats on him in the crowd and grabs a chair that a fan keeps grabbing as well, which pisses him off, and he finally just yanks it free and smacks Terry with it. Back inside, Rich claws at Funk's face and then drops him with a clothesline, but Funk keeps pushing back to his feet, refusing to stay down. Terry's bleeding now as well as Rich blasts his face with a stiff elbow. Rich keeps slugging away, gets a two count, then it's a DDT for two as well. Rich hits a DDT, but Funk kicks out, so he DDTs the ref twice instead. Rich beats on Funk's knee with a chair outside and then in the ring. Rich cranks a spinning toehold, but Funk breaks it up, hits a low blow, and locks in his own spinning toehold and picks up the win. I this is a pretty fun old school match. It felt like a bloody bar brawl, just like two old drunk dudes going at it, throwing punches, just two maniacs mashing each other. Uh, Rich is a nut for taking that early offense. They're still coming back, uh, and I like the finish. It, it shows that Funk is still built to compete, can still withstand this kind of violence, and push through and win. And they're you know obviously ramping him up for something toward the pay per view. So Matt went three stars. I, I found myself this is the opposite of the last match. Where, I had no, I had no expectations for this. I'm like, oh, here we go. And I just liked, they just punched the shit out of each other. It, you know, just like the one with Lee we saw with him. It, it felt like just, just a bar brawl. Like, it's just good stuff out of Funk when he has these kinds of matches. Where he just, he's so good with punches and, and strikes and just feels like two two guys just fighting on the street. Well, uh, I, I went three and a quarter. Yes. <laughs> on this match. Uh... I, I, I am a sucker for a brawl <laughs> like this, and uh, I am also a sucker for Terry Funk. Uh, I just, I love watching Funk uh, do his thing. Uh, yeah, this is a damn entertaining brawl. Uh, at one point, I think Style says that this is the first time these two guys have ever faced each other, which is kind of crazy to think about that they had never crossed paths at one point before. So uh, pretty interesting that it happens at this uh, bingo hall in Philadelphia, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I just, I love seeing both guys bleed. If this was like an mm-hmm. old school NWA brawl with a dash of ECW in it, and I, I loved it for it. The one thing I will say, and it's not necessarily about the match, but it's more about Terry Funk, is m- maybe don't use the spinning toehold as your finisher, because I, I don't know if that's going to work in ECW when you go, <laughs> you know, guys doing fucking pile drivers through tables and stuff like that. I mean, it works here because it's against a guy like Tommy Rich, but I, I don't know how the crowd will react if he beats someone like a Sandman or a Raven with a spinning toehold after, you know, they beat the hell out of each other with barbed wire and fire, you know? So that's just something to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this match. So three and a quarter for me, Jenny. Wow. Well, all right. I, I guess I'm just not a total funk mark yet. Um, not that I'm not, but I guess I'm not. Uh, maybe if there was some flames or barbed wire in this, mm. I would probably like it better. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fucking shit show. Like, bloody brawl, exaggerated. Like, they were both hamming it up. You know what I mean? Like, they, they totally went for it. Like, the blood was insane. The crowd loved it. Um, well, I guess. I don't know. But his... Oh God, his his belly was intense though. Mm-hmm. 
Like, <laughs> well, the tights didn't help either. They were like no, oh, they were so extra tight yeah. and like pushing it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that fupa. Um, but like <laughs> just trying to like crawl all over the railing, like he could barely do that. I guess I just kind of felt a little bit sorry for him. So it was hard to like <laughs> watch him get mangled. Um, not hard, but you know, not as enjoyable. But um, I'm gonna do a, a ladies two and three quarter stars. All right, get to our main event as the Triple Threat take on the Pitbulls and Tommy Dreamer. Triple Threat head out with Francine. They look great as a unit. Of course, that is uh, Chris Candido, Shane Douglas, and Brian Lee. Instant presence to chemistry. They feel like a top stable. The Pitbulls come charging out. We're right into a wild brawl in and out of the ring. Punches and weapons flying. The music is still blaring. Uh, Triple Threat stand tall for a minute, but the Pitbulls and Tommy recover and come flying back in to brawl again. The crowd is on fire as we go to the floor. Just all six throwing strikes mixed with power spots. Pitbull 2 gets Shane alone and beats on him. We get a steel railing in the ring as the Triple Threat each get a hard shot onto that, including Shane getting press slammed through it, which is just nasty. Triple Threat recover and battle back to take control to clear house and just busting all over a Pitbull 2. Uh, then triple th- teaming Tommy, including bashing him with a chair and then suplexing him through two open chairs. Candido and Lee keep uh, the Pitbulls at bay as Douglas works over Tommy. Lee chokes Pitbull 2 with a chain but recovers and tries to save Tommy before Candido takes him out. Fun structure as the triple threat is swarm Tommy, keeping the Pitbulls out of the way. We get a loud Brian Pillman chant as the beating on Tommy edges along. Tommy takes Candido down, follows with a DDT for two. In comes Beulah as does a giant woman in a cheerleader outfit. And Joey says is cloudy. Of course, cloudy <laughs> body Donna's uh, skip, skip and zip. Chris Candido's manager for like two nights. Uh... Uh, just out of nowhere, just random. Beulah comes in uh, and takes cloudy down the cookie sheet and rides her back all over the locker room. Just completely random. The triple threat split up, uh, slip up and the pit bulls break through. Start to clean house, focusing their attack on Douglas and keeping Candido and Lee at bay. Pitbull 1 gets a chair and slaughters Douglas in the face. Candido, Lee, and Douglas hit a triple root awakening, and almost immediately, as they do, we hear that voice ring out. You've got to be shitting me. Do you three fucking assholes think you're going to fuck with me? Do you three fucking piss ants really think you know who the man behind the mask is? Well, I got news for you, fuck bitch. You don't know who I am and don't know how to do a root awakening. Look behind you, assholes. And then they turn, and Tommy and the Pitbulls attack. Lee and Tommy fight to the back of the building as the Pitbulls wreck Candido before getting left alone with Shane. The masked man calls for a rude awakening. Pitbull 2 press slams Shane, and Pitbull 1 nails the rude awakening to a big pop, but he lifts Shane up. The masked man scoops up Fran, dumps her over the top rope, and spanks her ass. Mm -hmm. The Pitbulls set up Shane on a table, and then Tommy and Pitbull 2 superbomb Pitbull 2 through Shane and the table and get the win. Uh, nice revenge, pure chaos, as Pitbull 1 and Douglas both have to get stretched out to safety and recovery. Uh, and a big win for the Pitbulls here. Uh, certainly a match. Uh, not a ton going on. <laughs> and showed up and wreaked havoc. It's an interesting angle unfolding with him and Douglas. It's kind of confusing the way they're going about it, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, the power of the triple threat working over Tommy was great, I thought. We got the uh, Pitbull catharsis in here. Mm. Rude, uh, the bass man, of course, uh, fits well here. You can tell he loves being uncensored. F-bombs all over the place. Interesting with him as a face. You'd think he'd come in as a heel. Uh, good to see Pitbull 1 get his revenge as well. Just well-deserved. It was, it was a cool moment, Jenny. The match itself was was solid. I went three and a quarter. Uh, again, just kind of more about the, the end of the match and moment. Yeah, uh, three and a quarter as well. 
This one also had that weird vibe that like when is the masked man going to show up vibe? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of working to that moment. But in, in the meantime, they did put a guardrail in the ring, which I always love. Uh, I like using that. Um, they did a good job of isolating Tommy Dreamer from the pit bulls to really work him over in a good part of the match. And then they did do some crowd brawling, um, as you would expect. The the triple rude awakening I thought looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I thought they did well in that. Candido is just like a wild card though. Like, uh, that guy. Like he's like, mm. I always feel like something just gonna get set on fire around him or something like i don't know he has a weird vibe um especially in this triple threat i mean it's not bad it's just i have to get used to his energy it's just different from what we've seen i think probably in ecw um i really like rude just absolutely letting loose just saying whatever the hell he wants to and loving it and then the spanking spot hello that was hot um Spank me, Rick Rude. But, um, Shane needs a haircut. And I, I, I really did feel bad that uh, Pipple wanted to note back on the stretcher. <laughs> um, that is the one thing I would change about this. I, I would prefer him not to be stretched out anymore, Matt. Yeah, uh, three and a quarter for me, too. Uh, good way to end the show, like you said. I mean, uh, it's one of those things where they were watching the entranceway, waiting for the masked man mm-hmm. to come out. You knew he was coming. It was just a matter of when. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought everything uh, leading up to that was fun. The the brawling was great. I, it, the, it did turn into a bit of a structured tag match for a spell there. I thought that was kind of weird, given how it started as a wild brawl. But, I mean, it ended up working. It wasn't too, too long. But, uh, yeah, once the Masked Man came out, I thought that was great. Uh, the Triple Root Awakening was fantastic. Uh, is it the goal of the Masked Man to wear just the worst-looking attire every time he shows up on one of these things? Like, it looked like an old couch he was wearing. Just, like, fucking patches everywhere. It was awful-looking. Uh, my God. We all know who you are. You have the money to buy nice things. You don't need to wear that. God. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, super fun way to end the show. Uh, it, it appears Pitbull 1 is on the shelf again with uh, uh, another <laughs> broken neck, maybe. Uh, God help him. So, uh, yeah, three and a quarter for me. Yeah, we'll see where things go. The Masked Man thing is definitely interesting. Uh, it's unique. We'll see how it plays out. I really like the triple threat on top. I think they're a great stable so far already, too. So it was good. I, I feel like the Pitbulls have kind of got abused this whole feud. So they mm-hmm. kind of deserve to... Mm-hmm. Um, have a moment here. All right, best match, uh, and that that wraps us up. That's our show. Uh, so, uh, best match, I went Sabu and Van Dam versus the Eliminators. Even though we were all disappointed and it broke Jenny, it's <laughs> still the best match on the card. Um, I mean, I gave it the same rating as as the main event, but yeah, we can do that. Yeah. All right, worst match, I, I went with the uh, yeah, yeah Jenny. Mind. Never mind, okay. that was right. I went with uh, Doc and Axel for worst match mm, i think technically yes yep that's what i had okay best moment i had two i went with paul announcing barely legal mm-hmm. and then taz attacking rvd and sabu yep that's what i had 
All right. Uh, most 90s, I went with the assless chaps on Ricky Morton's yep. girlfriend. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, got to go with that. Why was that a thing in the 90s? What was, I don't know. What I felt made... 90s. Uh, I mean, Cloudy was pretty 90s, too. But yes, Cloudy's know. a good one. I mean, assless chaps. I mean, can't go wrong with that. I guess. Is that a night? I don't know if it is. It just felt like it. I don't know. know. Yeah. I don't... 70s, too, maybe? I don't know. <sighs> Stock ro- chaps are yeah. timeless. Is what they I'm are timeless. That's true. That is. Yeah. Stock Rising, I went with uh, Lance Storm, the BWO, Joel Gertner, the Dudleys, Taz, and Pitbull 1 for getting his revenge. Oh, that's a good call on Pitbull. Yeah. Um, you said the Dudleys. What about Raven? Well, I guess he's already kind of. Yeah, I yeah. would think Funk, too. Funk would be the only one yeah. I would think of. I want to say Dr. Death, even though he lost. I don't know, you know. I kind of want to say the same thing about. Well, I actually went with Doctor Death and set the stock falling. Oh, um, yeah, cause... The match over Otten kind of sucked. Then he got booed. I don't know. It was just, it was just like an It was like one show too many for him. I think they should mm-hmm. just let him go after the. They did yeah. the tag stuff with the Eliminators. I think probably would have been fine. They they probably could have had someone else fight Raven here. Uh, but I had also had Ricky Morton and Cloudy <laughs> stock falling. As well. uh, Tommy Rich's gut is falling. <laughs> yes, quickly. Yes, it is. Uh, all right, and final grade. Uh, I went six and a half out of ten. I thought it was a solid show. I'm I'm starting to worry a little bit uh, that we've peaked. Like so much in late '95, all through '96, we had so many shows like nine, nine and a half, eight. Like we're arguing, you know, is this a great, perfect show or eight and a half, nine? And I think we're sliding a bit into more like six to seven and a half range consistently. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Like, I feel like the star power is the same. I, I feel like I feel like we're missing. Like, we used to get at least one classic match and then like two big moments on these big shows, like all time ECW Pantheon moments and then like a great match. And I think we've slid to sometimes getting great moments and our our matches peaking more in that three and a half, three and three quarters range versus like. Mm-hmm four and a quarter, four and a half that we'd get consistently. Um, and I know we've shifted a bit from obviously the era of Benoit, Malenko, Guerrero, Mysterio, guys like that. We're now more of the, a little bit more of the brawling type of stuff is taking over across the promotion. Uh, we're still getting wrestling in there, but it, a lot of it is definitely focused more on the brawl than like the mat, hard hitting map based stuff. So I don't know if this is a combination of these things or if it's just a little lull and we'll heat back up around the pay-per-view and, and beyond. So we'll see, but I don't know. It's a vibe I'm getting, but Matt, what'd you have for a grade? And what'd you, what do you think overall, like kind of where we stand? Yeah. Uh, I, I went six and a half on it. Uh, like you, uh, it's, it's they're in a weird spot because you have the big fucking show coming up in April. Yep. So and we're only in, you know, late January, early February at this point. So there's going to be these big arena shows. There's not going to be a ton of major stuff that happens because they're going to save it all for that show in April. So uh, like you said, I, I'd like to think that it's just a lull for the next month or two until we get to that big pay-per-view in April. That's the hope anyway. But, yeah, I mean, this is a very filler show. It's not a bad show by any stretch, but it was missing that one big match or big moment to really put it over the top. This this kind of had the feel of, like, ECW's version of, like, an in-your-house pay-per-view to me, 
where it's just you know it's it's a lot of decent stuff there's a big tag match on top uh, you know the show was barely two hours long i think so mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh six and a half for me so uh hopefully you know we things pick back up a bit uh post pay-per-view but yeah as is six and a half for me i don't know i i felt dinged a lot more not a lot more a bit more than you guys so i did six out of ten and i also was worried that the peak had had been realized and that we were going to be sliding into some different stuff that being said there is some time some of the things that you have to put on ice like sabotage whatever Mm -hmm. for a little bit but there is some room for a lot of these other guys to have some stories like where's our Mm -hmm. mikey like where's you know there's some things there's some time there's enough because that's not going to be the only match on the card so right right Mm -hmm. We've got to move along with some of these other things. BWO definitely going to be moving along. Um, these guys with the mask guy, I don't know that that makes it to barely legal. Um, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I literally don't know. But well, it'll be interesting where Shane goes, right? Because we kind of blew off the Pitbull thing here. Mm-hmm. You think? I mean, unless we're going to get Shane versus Just versus Pitbull 1, which I guess in right. its own hasn't been blown off. I don't know if that feels... It's been such a great feud, and the Pipples have been awesome in it, but does that feel first ever pay-per-view match to you? Like, for Shane Douglas, like, your top heel, right? Like, one of your top heels, along with Raven. Like, is are we really going to use him versus Pitbull 1 on that card? That it doesn't feel likely to me. So, mm-hmm. like, we have to see where that goes still. Mm-hmm. You know, is this masked man going to actually get in the ring? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and fight Douglas? Right. Is that going to be a thing? Who's going to challenge Raven? Like, he's kind of done with Sandman. They've positioned, like, five or six guys. Like, are we going to get him and Stevie? Yeah. Are we going to get him and Funk? Like, you know, kind of like, where's that headed to? So, right. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of questions right now. Yeah, so lots of room. Um, So, I... Uh, even though it does feel like we have peaked, there, there is still some room for some good stuff here. And hopefully mm-hmm. we can see that. Um, And... I had a question. When when this was announced, barely legal first pay per view and all that stuff, was it on your radar as far as like being a wrestling fan? Yes, only because what well, we'll see in a few weeks, um, they get some big time publicization, publicization, publicity, publicity, uh, publicity <laughs> on uh, WF TV. We'll see. So uh, yes, it was on my right. radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any world where I thought like I don't I don't know actually I don't know if I even was able to order because I didn't I don't think I had Request TV but um, no like it, not to that level but I knew of it because it was definitely you know I was on the internet by this point pretty much all in calling hotlines et cetera et cetera so there obviously was a lot of talk about it I just didn't really understand a lot of what was going on within it I knew the guys I knew the the idea of it but. I can't say like, oh, barely legal. Oh, they're probably blowing off Taz and stuff. Like I just wasn't yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that dialed right. in. But mm-hmm. how are you, Matt? No, like I, I didn't get into ECW until a couple of years after this. So ECW wasn't even on my radar at this point. I I didn't know it existed at this point. So you didn't well, go to Revere? No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I I just hate I hate to put a six out of ten on an ECW show. I 
I enjoyed it, but it it's just I have high standards now. Sorry about it. Mm-hmm. They've made me into a princess. <laughs> it's tough. So. No, they, I mean, they, <laughs> look, their standard for us has been super high since right. at least early '95. Now at this point, you know, like so. If you look at our archives and our grades of our shows, we were up, definitely up there for a lot of those eight and a half, nine. And a lot of it was moment-based. I can't say it was all in rank. Like, Jenny, some of those we do with John in late 95, like, everyone was like, oh, this is an iconic moment. Oh, this is an yeah. iconic moment. Oh, this is an iconic moment, right? Like, it was, like, just loaded with those classic ECW moments. So we'll see how they continue to revamp and refresh as we move forward. Uh, that'll do it for us here tonight. Hopefully everyone enjoyed this show and we enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back in two weeks with a uh, triple threat of television as we inch closer toward Barely Legal. Of course, check out everything we have to offer at the North-South Connection Podcast Network. And Jenny, that includes every Wednesday, the Jenny position. It sure does. Um, that's my shows. Uh, you heard about Pluto, Freak Out Drive-In, Talking Pop, The Journey Through Infinity. Um, anything else that I make will be on there. And you can find it linked on Twitter at Jenny Position. Uh, Matt, anything you got going on? Yep, we got uh, Highway to the Impact Zone over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. You can check me out on there. Usually on every other episode of that. Uh, you got YouTube Roulette also on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. I'm on every episode of that. And you can find me on my show, Piece of the Action, over on the Place to Be Nation pop feed. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at msusa1991. All right, all of the content at North South Connection, like I mentioned, we have tons of stuff dropping every day. Uh, something every day, really. And uh, I have a new show that just hit at the movies. Be covering comedies uh, between 1992 and 2012. The premiere is with my friend Rocco, and we talked American Pie. It had to be the first one, of course. So uh, check that out, plus all the other great content. Stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two minutes. Yo, ain't nothing changed, I'm still the same the way you remember me Since the centipede on a big black, I'm back in the 70s Try to remember me for my aggressive will The way I kept it real, it's more important than any record deal I used to chill on the block with Cuban the States I still do, but now it's in the blue, convertible 850 My true always be with me, the shifty kiss me Tell me they miss me, then try to diss me Cause I'm a wispy crispy for life, 60's the price Another 50 for the Cuban twisted and nice, nice But I psych them out, though they like to doubt I'm making more believers once I let the Tyson out, cause I can vouch for only a few, only the crew, from the old school, I consider loyally true, I'm morally groove, from a fool to a scholar, follow the rules and how to spot a plotter that's cool for a dollar, I wanna holler at my peeps, it's repping the streets, wrestling the beast, suggest resting in peace, blessing my seeds and watching over us, till I die, I'll align the souls of mine and shine for all of us. Well, you came up, what, what, man?